0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever and wherever you're watching or listening. This is the Stochastic NHL DFS Strategy Show, and I am your host, Michael Clifford, aka Slim Cliffy. You'll notice, uh, kind of flying solo here today. Uh, Josh is away. He had a doctor's app- He said yesterday on the show he had a doctor's appointment uh, with his son, so he's not going to be here, so it's just me. Uh, so, you know, if anybody has any questions or anything, I might not be able to get to them. There's a little bit of... It's quite a bit to go through today, actually. There's uh, quite a lot of news for what is seemingly just a normal eight-game slate here tonight. But uh, yes, we are sponsored by Better. We will have uh, a little bit of a breakdown of what Better can offer later in the show. Before we get any further, if you guys could, uh, please like and subscribe. Those likes, those subscriptions uh, really help us, really help the Stochastic channel keep these shows coming along. Um, you know, if these video shows aren't your thing, if you prefer a podcast form, maybe for a commute home or something like that, um, you can certainly do that. Just head on over, uh, to the stochastic, uh, podcast channels. We are available everywhere. Uh, final bit of news. Uh, if you want to get into the awesome hall of fame, uh, there's one way you can do that. You finish in the top three of a contest with at least five thousand contestants you make sure that you have the stochastic avatar as your avatar which you can get at stochastic.com slash avatar if you place in the top three just tweet your win over to the stochastic hoff account on twitter or you can email support if you don't have twitter and if you do all that you can win a free month of stochastic of a package of your choice uh be it nhl nfl um nfl still going strong nba of course um, MLB winter meetings are heating up, and MLB is not quite here yet. Um, but you can get in the Stochastic Hall of Fame. You can get a free month. It is only available once every 12 months. So you can't, if you keep winning, uh, you can't keep getting free stuff. But if you keep winning, you probably won't need the free stuff anyway. Um, not much to talk about from yesterday's slate. Uh, it was pretty much uh, Arizona smash, and then everybody else, uh, you know, just kind of you know scored a few goals here and there um unfortunately our arizona two our boys didn't quite get there they didn't do a whole lot it was uh the top line that really did the damage uh, nick schmaltz had a couple goals clayton keller had three assists in the first period alone i believe so uh arizona top line their power play certainly did work um washington did not uh washington looks like the biggest paper tiger Of all the Eastern Conference teams, at least the ones that look to be playoff contenders, I don't think they really have uh, the depth to get there. They need Evgeny Kuznetsov to come around. He's been pretty terrible this year. Healthy scratch for a good reason last night. um, Maybe that kind of gets his season going, but we'll see what happens um, as we move along. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to smack talk Washington too much. I feel like they're going to get their own comeuppance here uh, soon enough. But um, yeah, not a great showing by the Capitals. Certainly, um, I have to give it up to Montreal. I did watch. I watched the Montreal um, Seattle game last night. Uh, Slavkovsky was on the top line for the Habs. Montreal looked pretty dominant through the first two periods. <laughs> um, we call it the Wanda's flu uh, when visiting teams go into Montreal and they have a night off. I think Seattle got there um, late Sunday night, so they would have had Sunday night or late Saturday night. Sorry, so they would have had Saturday night and Sunday night uh, in Montreal. That can be a dangerous thing uh, if you got a little bit of money and you're in your 20s. So uh, nice to see uh, Montreal doing well. A bunch of um, you know slumps busted last night. Monahan, Josh Anderson, certainly Tanner Pearson. Um, you know Winnipeg certainly looked like they might get there last night. We got a couple quick goals uh, from Nick Ealers um, and Kyle Connor. I shouldn't say a couple quick goals. A Couple goals in the first half of the game, and then nothing else the rest of the way. That was a little bit unfortunate. Hopefully we can uh, get some winners uh, on the board here tonight. Are the caps in a retirement home? I don't know. Maybe might not be that far away. Honestly. Um, It's honestly at the point now I I wrote about this elsewhere where uh, I'm not sure that Alex Ovechkin should be their primary option on the power play. Like it honestly might, it honestly probably should be Tom Wilson, which is kind of funny to think about. It's like, how do you get the puck to Tom Wilson on the power play might be the thing that turns it around. They got to figure something out because I I have a feeling they're going to start racking up the losses here uh, in pretty short order. Um, But let's jump into this slate. We have eight games ahead of us. There are, I wouldn't say a bunch of low totals, but there are a handful of low totals here today. Uh, You know, this is the higher scoring era of the NHL. We're pretty used to seeing a lot of teams or a lot of games where both teams are at 3.0 or above. You know, you have San Jose, uh, obviously, with a pretty low total today. You have Chicago with a low total. You have Anaheim. You have Columbus. Uh, Ottawa does not have a high total. We'll get to them in a second. Um, let's get to that Columbus game first. Yeah, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets with a 2.7 total. They're at home to the Los Angeles Kings. The Kings are sporting a 3.7 total. We don't have official confirmation on both goalies here, but I suspect it will be Elvis Merzlikins against Phoenix Copley. Interesting going with Copley. He's had a pretty bad start to the year, 868 save percentage. Obviously, they can't ride Cam Talbot into the ground. I think Cam Talbot's older than I am at this point, which is really saying something. Um, so it might be Copley. That is an easier matchup in net for, uh, for Columbus to shoot on. So it kind of changes the way I look at them a little bit. We'll get to Columbus in a second, but it is a Los Angeles side I want to start with. And what I want to start with is our top stacks tool. Um, We're really not seeing a lot of ownership on Los Angeles one or Los Angeles two here tonight. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, Los Angeles two has come up a lot in price. Like, you know, there are times this year where that second line with uh, Deneau um, and Moore, whether, you know, they had um, Laferriere there beside them, whether they had Victor Arvidsson, whatever it might be. Um, Arthur Kaliev was there for a few games, um, whatever it might be. There's a lot of times they're like around the 14K range. They've come up a lot, 17,500 on DraftKings. Like Trevor Moore is at 6K, I believe, or a little over 6K on DraftKings. Like that's really, really high for him. He He's a good player. I don't think in DFS he's like a $6,500 DK player, almost regardless of where he's playing. Um, that is a pretty high, that's a pretty steep price to pay. Here's the thing, is that obviously Columbus has struggled pretty heavily defensively so far this season. Uh, They've changed up their lines a little bit. Columbus has moved Justin Danforth to the top line with Boone Jenner and Johnny Goodrow, moving Kent Johnson down to the Adam Fantilli, Patrick Lyon A-line. And of course, they're all Russian line of Marchenko, Vronkov, and Chinnikov. Still the same. Fantillion and Line just have absolutely brutal defensive numbers so far this season. 3.4 expected goals against per 60 minutes with them on the ice. Over five goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. Like they are getting absolutely throttled in the defensive zone. And, you know, now that Josh isn't here, uh, it's my chance to slander Kent Johnson. Kent Johnson certainly cannot uh, make up the defensive effort um, by himself on the other wing. I don't think he's a good um, defense or defensive winger on his own even a defensive center. Um, he's more of a playmaking type, but um, that's not going to help them uh, in the defensive zone. It's a really good matchup for that Los Angeles second line. Kevin Fiala is the only guy on the top power play unit. Los Angeles has gone back to a heavily used top power play unit because you have Tire, Kempe, and Byfield all on the top power play now with Kevin Fiala. Um, that. That doesn't really change too much for me because it's not really a great power play spot. Like, you know, Columbus doesn't take a lot of penalties, 2.9 times shorthanded per game. League average right now is at about 3.4 and still dropping. So they're well below that. Um, the penalty kill has generally been fine this season. Now, what I will say is that I think adding Quentin Byfield will change a lot. Like, we don't have a big sample on the Kings top line uh, with Byfield there uh, on the power play. Obviously, he just got there. But he's been probably their best playmaker so far this season. And that is really saying something um, on a team that has Kevin Fiala on it, or even Ante Kopitar, for that matter, even at this stage of his career. Like, it is Byfield that has been not necessarily the finisher, but certainly the engine offensively for the top line. I think he could bring the same thing to the top power play unit, um, help them generate some more shots, some better quality shots. He had a couple goals on the weekend, so he's starting to finish on his own. Um I just think it's a much better matchup for that King's second line, Fiala Moore uh, and Dano. Problem is, is like they have come up so much in price, right? Like they're only $800 cheaper than the King's top line. The King's top line is perfectly correlated on the top power play unit. And that King's top line is only coming in with 1.6% ownership. Like, there's a lot of weird ownership here today because of Colorado. We'll get to that at the end, but uh Colorado's kind of throwing things all out of whack, but, as much as I like the matchup for the Kings' second line at even strength, it's not as if like a Jenner, Danforth, Goodrow top line is anything to be feared. Like, you know, with or without Kent Johnson, um, that top the, top, the defensive numbers for the top line were pretty poor, um, routinely getting outplayed um, game in and game out. I'm not worried about that matchup. The Kings' top line, their numbers have slid a little bit over the the last couple weeks. They're not generating as much offensively, um, but this is a good matchup to get things uh, going again. And the last note about the matchup is Columbus has been sending out uh, Zach Wierenski and Adam Bockfist in in a shutdown role, which it's interesting because, you know, Wierenski's a good defenseman. I don't think anybody would say he's an elite defensive defenseman, and Adam Bockfist the reason why he's been in and out of the lineup for like three years now is because he is so unreliable defensively. Uh, their defensive numbers are not good together this year. What they're being saved by is 955 goaltending behind them. Um, eventually, that goaltending is going to fall off. He just cannot sustain that. And I think that means I'm going to lean uh, to Kings 1 here. Like, As much as their offense has fallen off, they're still driving the play more than they're allowing. Um, you know, like I said, Byfield has jumped to the top power play unit. So they're perfectly correlated on the power play uh, for whatever that might be worth here today. This is the highest total on this. this It's the second highest total on the slate. Sorry. Colorado is obviously the highest, but Los Angeles is carrying the second highest total on the slate here tonight. And again, I'll bring up the top stacks tool, uh, quickly, but the top stacks tool is showing the Kings top line of 1.6% ownership. Here tonight, I got to say at 1.6% ownership, perfectly correlated against the Columbus team that just isn't very good. I really like Kings one here. I think both top lines are certainly in play. Kings one and Kings two, Um you know, no issue using either of them. Los Angeles three is kind of interesting because Dubois and Brunstrom actually have uh good, pretty good numbers in a small sample. You know, obviously there's there's no matchup concerns or anything against the Columbus depth. I just worry that we're going to see quite a bit of like Dubois-Gronstrom or Dubois-Laferriere or something like that in those Colorado lineups. But if you're not playing Colorado, I think Los Angeles' top line should be one of the top lines in consideration here tonight. On the Columbus side, like there's no ownership on Columbus. Um, You know, with Justin Danforth there, uh, you know, he's kind of just a guy like he's just kind of filling in for them a, a little bit it, because everything else is going wrong. Like Kent Johnson really hasn't played well on the top line. Like Kent Johnson's kind of stuck in that spot where he's too good for the AHL, but he's not good enough to, I think slide into a top six in the NHL right now. Um, you know, it's still lots of time to develop. Like, you know, we bring it up all the time. Just think of Casey Middlestad in Buffalo. It took him like six years basically to develop into a top six player. Uh, give Kent Johnson a little bit of time. He's just not there yet. Um, the other thing is uh, they changed up their power play. Uh, they booted uh, Johnny Gaudreau off the power play. He's on the second unit now. Moved Ivan Provorov to the top unit, which is kind of interesting because Los Angeles's penalty kill numbers have been sliding a little bit lately. I just I don't know if moving Ivan Provorov to the top power play unit is going to solve everything. Uh, especially in place of Johnny Gojo, whatever people might think of him, he is a much better playmaker than Ivan Provorov is. Like even if Gojo's, you know, fallen off by like 50% compared to three years ago, which he hasn't, but, um, you know, certainly things have not gone well. He's still a, a much better playmaker. I don't think that's really going to do anything to the top power play unit. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried that for one power play, things, if things don't go well. They change it up for the very next one. So um, at least for now, you know, Boone Jenner power play one, Johnny Gojo power play two, Justin Danforth on neither. That You know, that really doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, the Kings second line has been really, really good defensively. So that worries me for that Fantilli johnson uh, line A matchup. I'm going to be honest. There's just not a lot that I like for Columbus in this matchup, but it is Phoenix Copley in net. Like that's the one thing that I'm kind of keeping uh, in the back of my mind. And, you know, Patrick Laine has been shooting a little bit more lately. Like, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to slam Laine and slam Columbus. Don't get me wrong. I do my fair share of that. Uh, but Laine got off to a bad start last year as well. Got injured and then came back and scored like 20 goals in 45 games or something like that. Like, he went on a tear. Um, he's still capable of doing that. So, like, if you want a one-off Fantilli because he's still in the top power play unit, perfectly fine. One-off Laine perfectly fine. I just don't know if I'm full stacking anything from Columbus. I think that's a side where I'd be more inclined um, to go pick uh, some one-offs from rather than full stack anything. All right, let's move along. Our next game, the New York Rangers, 3.2 total going into Ottawa. The Ottawa Senators have a 2.8 total. We have Igor Shesterkin going back for the Rangers. Um, he had kind of a so-so start to the season, but he's really looked a lot more like himself over the last month. Anton Forsberg looks like he's going to be starting for Ottawa. I think that makes sense um, for the team. You know, they got to start racking up wins here, especially this month of December where they have a bunch of games. Forsberg just had a shutout on Saturday. Corpus Salo had a few losses in a row, so you may as well just go back to Forsberg. Um, Thomas Chabot is going to be out tonight for uh, – for Ottawa. And that is very important for a number of reasons. The first reason is obviously, it takes a pretty good uh, puck moving defenseman out of their lineup. He is one of the best at what he does um, in the league. And, and, you know, there's a reason why they play him so many minutes, um, even above Chickering, even above Sanderson often, often uh, when he's in the lineup. But the other interesting part is what that, what's that going to do to the power play? Because when Shabab was injured, you know, he just came back last week, the week before. Um, when Shabbat was injured before that, they went to one heavily used top power play unit, almost always run by Jake Sanderson. When Shabbat came back, they went basically to two split units. They had their normal top power play guys with Shabbat running it. Then they had, you know, Tarasenko uh, and Giroux with uh, Jake Sanderson and Jacob Chikran both running uh, the blue line on power play too. And they, like, honestly, they basically split minutes. It was one of the reasons why I wrote up Vladimir Tarasenko this morning uh, in the PICS article, free to read over at stochastic.com. Uh, just head on over to the NHL section right up on the main page. Um, one of the reasons why I wrote up Tarasenko before we got that news was um, was that they had been splitting the power play units. Tarasenko was moving up to the second line, you know, moving up to the second line for Tarasenko plus getting more power play time was a big, big uh, boost to his DFS value. Now I'm not so sure what's going to happen. The The crux of this is that Ridley Grigg is also coming back for Ottawa here tonight. He's going to be the third-line center from Dominic Kubelik and Matthew Joseph. Um, Ridley Grigg had actually gotten off to a pretty good start this season. I know a lot of the attention had been on Shane Pinto, uh, whether rightly or wrongly. Uh, but Grig had seven points in nine games to start the year, averaging two shots a game while getting just 14 minutes a night. Um, he's a guy that was skating at times on their second power play unit, so I'm wondering if they don't still split the power play time, but kind of just you know move Sanderson back up to the top power play where he had been, and then just move Grig basically into Sanderson's spot on power play two, and then and then just keep moving things along. So. I'm wondering if they don't do that. We don't know what they're going to do until they hit the ice. My, my guess is that they go back to the heavily used top power play unit with Sanderson just because it's, that's what they had run with Shabbat out previously. But that was also with Gregg out. And I think Gregg coming back might change that equation. So I'm not, sh- I'm not so certain that they're going to have a heavily used top power play unit. And that's important because Ottawa does draw the most power plays per game, Of anyone in the league, uh, 4.32 per game, slightly edging out Detroit. And those two teams are way out ahead of everyone else. So when you have a team uh, drawing so many power plays, you know, they have uh, 15 power play goals in 19 games already this season. Uh, That's pretty important uh, to try to kind of suss out. I assume uh, it's going to be split units, but I guess we'll find out in about five hours time now. They're going, as I've mentioned, they're going with Tarasenko on the second line with Batherson and Stutzla. The reason that line is interesting to me specifically is there's some playmaking data that I look at from a website called All Three Zones. And Stutzla and Tarasenko are one and two amongst their team's forwards. Actually, Grig is up there too, but um, his sample is still really, really small because he was injured. So basically Stutzla and Tarasenko are 1-2 on the team in scoring chance assists. Now what scoring chance assists are, are they're just assists on a teammate scoring chance? So it kind of helps us figure out who is uh, creating dangerous opportunities for their teammates. Stutzla and Tarasenko, like I said, are 1-2 and now they're both on the same line setting up Drake Batherson, who has started to come alive over the last couple of weeks with his goal scoring after basically in it been in like a year long drought. Um, And they're not coming in with much ownership. That's the other thing here. Top Stacks tool has them coming in 2% ownership on DraftKings tonight, 4% top two stack percentage. So positive leverage per Top Stacks tool. They're only 16,600 on DraftKings. So as long as you're not playing um, Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay, as long as you're not playing Colorado, you can basically fit them in with anyone that you want. And Stutzl and Tarasenko, a very small sample, talking 35 minutes here. Um, but they've created 32 shots and two goals in those 35 minutes together. That is a lot of offense in a very limited sample. Stutz and Batherson both play the top power play unit. They both, this line will probably actually go out against the second line from the Rangers. And the reason that's important is Ottawa, they try to stick to their line matching. Um, doesn't always work out, but they try to stick to their line matching. And if they go out against the Rangers' second line, what I wrote about in the section on Tarasenko uh, for that Picks article was that since the Rangers added Vincent Trocek to the second line, that line is allowing 16% more shot attempts and 39% more expected goals against. So he's helping them stay afloat offensively. The Rangers' second line is still an excellent, excellent offensive line but they've been allowing a lot more um, expected goals and shots against. And it's also leading to a lot, a lot more goals against. Now, as I said, Igor Shesterkin has looked a lot more like himself of late. I'm still a little bit worried um, about the Rangers' second line and their defensive ability. And I think that makes a good matchup for Ottawa too. So I don't mind going to that Ottawa second line here tonight. Uh, You're going to get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. If they do split the units, that just means more time for Tarasenko. You're probably getting the two best playmakers on the team, at least so far this season, between Stutzla and Tarasenko, with Batherson, who desperately needs uh, playmakers to play with. Stutzla obviously is a dual threat type of player. He can both shoot and score. They're not expensive. I think things are lining up well uh, for that Ottawa second line, so I don't mind them. As a stack here tonight. If you want to go to the top line, I don't have a huge problem with it. But Brady Kachuk and, and and Josh Norris don't have very good offensive numbers together this season. I don't think that should be surprising because Kachuk and Norris are both shooters. And you know, Giroux is a playmaker. He's still a good player. He's I I, I just, you know, I don't think he's the guy that he was five or six years ago, even if he's even if he's still like a low-end first liner. He was a true superstar four or five years ago. He's not that anymore. And the playmaking numbers just aren't there to support uh, Norris and Kachuk. And they can't, you know, they somebody has to set them up for the shots. Um, I'm fine going with Ottawa 1 just because they don't have a lot of ownership. But 2.7 expected goals forward with Kachuk and Norris on the ice this season in a, a 115 minutes together, that's not that great. So I think I like Ottawa 2 more uh, in this matchup. Ottawa 3, you know, I think they're playable with Grig back. Uh, They're one of those stacks you could probably put in with Colorado uh, if you want to. Other than that, I don't see a real need to play them. So it's Ottawa 2 for me on that side. On the Rangers side, (laughs) Johnny Brodzinski's jumping to the top line. That's an interesting name, actually, because Johnny Brodzinski, uh, for anybody that might not know him, was a really really good scorer uh, in the AHL as an older player. Um, Brodzinski, like I think he had a stretch where he had like 32 goals in 63 AHL games over over, over the span of a couple seasons. Because he's a guy that gets called up to the HL or called up to the NHL and sent back to the AHL frequently. But he had shown an ability to score. We have seen late bloomers in the AHL uh, come to be NHL scores. You know, Jonathan Marsh. So obviously is the example that we always go to. But just look at Michael Carcone in, in Arizona. Now, he's shooting 50% over the last four weeks. I suspect that uh, Brodzinski won't shoot 50% over a larger sample. But Alon's not coming in with any ownership either. 1.9% here tonight. Um, going up against Kachuk and Norris, that's not really uh, a matchup that I would be too too afraid of. Um, Shabbat missing hurts them um, doesn't hurt them so much defensively but he helps generate offense which gets the puck out of the defensive zone and that's something uh, some of their defensemen struggle with so I get wanting to go back to the Rangers second line Panera and Trocek, and Lafreniere I have no problem going back to them I just think that people are going to stay away from that top line because of Brodzinski. You still get two out of the three guys on the top power play, you know, with with Zibanejad and Kreider. Brodzinski has has shown the ability to score at lower levels. All he needs is just one good game at the NHL level. So I like Rangers 1 here. Rangers 1, Ottawa 2 for me, out of that game. Uh, All right, let's move it along. Detroit Red Wings, 3.4 total. They're going into Buffalo. The Buffalo Sabres have a 3.1 total. Some pretty big news in this game. Uh, one, Patrick Kane is not going to be in the lineup. I know he pra- he's he been practicing with the team. He was on the power play, all that stuff in their practices. He's not going to play tonight. Uh, on the Buffalo side, Uko pekka Lukanen is sick. So Eric Comrie is going to be starting uh, for Buffalo here tonight. Eric Comrie, also a goalie that's not had a good season. There's a reason why uh, Devin Levi was in the AHL and... and Pekka Lukanen was getting all the starts. Uh, Levi wasn't playing well, and Eric Comrie eight sixty six save percentage this season, giving up four goals every sixty minutes. Those just are really really bad numbers. But Buffalo is getting back Tage Thompson. Tase Thompson, uh, they said he had been skating a little bit. He, it was expected he he'd be back later this week. Looks like he's ready to do a little early. Whether he's forcing it or not, I guess we'll find out. Uh, but he's going to the top line. He's going to be playing with Jeff Skinner. And Casey Middlestat, and the reason why he's going on to the wing is because Alex Tuck is also out here tonight. He's going to be out for a week or so. So, you know, Uka Pekka their only good goalie this season, is out. Alex Tuck is out. Uh, Jordan Greenway, obviously, still out. Zemkis Gergensens is injured. Like, there is a lot of injuries on this Buffalo side, even with getting Tase Thompson back. There's no real sample for Taze Thompson, Casey Middlestat, and Jeff Skinner What I will say is that in 120 minutes this season for Middlestat and Skinner without Alex Tuck, with anybody else on the other side, be it JJ Paterka, I think Zach Benson played there for a game. Uh, Victor Olofsson got a spin up there. Um, But in 120 minutes for Skinner and Middlestat, 3.5 expected goals for, 3.6 actual goals scored. They were still generating offense at a pretty high rate. And... If line matching is to be believed, um, shout out at line matching on Twitter. um, They're going to be going out against the second line from Detroit, which gets them away uh, from the Dylan Narkin matchup, which gets them away from top defense pairs. All three guys are um, likely to be on the top power play unit as well. So you get Middlestat, Skinner, and Thompson, all on the top power play unit together. Um, As I said, Middlestat and Skinner, Pretty good offensive numbers together this season. Middlestat, really good playmaking numbers. Like uh, we mentioned on the last show, but Casey Middlestat has been one of the best uh, even strength um, point producers basically since the all-star break of last season. Like we're up over a 50 game sample now. Thing is, is like they're coming in with uh, quite a bit of ownership. I'm going to bring that up here uh, real soon. Don't don't worry. Uh, 11.3% ownership on the top line which I think makes sense. You have a total over three. They're perfectly correlated on the power play. The third and fourth lines, unless, you know, Victor Olofsson, um, somehow jumps back up to the top power play unit or something like that. The third and fourth lines probably won't contribute much offensively. So you're basically looking at all the goals coming from the top six. And with the three guys on the top power play unit, that makes a lot of sense, but they're still coming with a little bit of positive leverage because their top two stack percentage sits at 12% here tonight. That's fourth, uh, on our list and basically third of the non-Colorado team. So that's pretty good. Uh, the one thing I worry about is what Taze Thompson had been doing before he got injured. Like he had struggled to score this year and it wasn't necessarily just, you know, small sample shooting percentage issues. A big part of it is where he was shooting from. Um, they had abandoned, basically completely abandoned shots from the slot, and were shooting a lot more from the circles. And when you shoot more from the circles, especially once you get out towards the tops of the face-off dots, you have less of the net to shoot at, so you're shooting at a sharper angle. Um, It's easier to miss the net. Uh, Obviously, with a greater shot distance than shooting from the slot, uh, defenders have more time to get in the way to block shots and things like that. So it's kind of a double-edged sword where if you get a clean pass across and a clean one-timer off, you know, we've seen Ovech can do it for uh, 20 years now, basically, uh, you can get a wide-open net to shoot at. But if even the smallest, slightest thing goes wrong, it gives the defenders time to get over. Um, you have a lot longer shot distance, et cetera, et cetera. That's what kind of worries me is that they they abandoned what worked for them last year to adopt a new offensive strategy this year that just hadn't worked out. Do they return to what they had been doing last season? Does their new strategy start working out all of a sudden? I guess we're going to find out at seven. You know, at over seventeen k, I think they're perfectly fine to play here tonight. The thing is, is like they're priced right in that range of the of the LA top line, right? Um, they're only nine hundred dollars cheaper than the LA top line. The LA top line's coming in with a fraction of the ownership in a game where they have a much higher goal total. So I think going to Los Angeles instead makes sense, but I don't mind Buffalo one here. Buffalo two is kind of interesting because they're one of those lines, the, the cousins, Benson, uh, Paterka line there. They are one of those lines that really does like to trade chances back and forth. Um, they'll probably, they'll probably see a little, uh, mostly top six matchups from Detroit. So they're certainly going to be going out, uh, against the Larkin line a little bit. Um, you know before uh Tage Thompson got hurt buffalo had been using the krebs um the krebs line in a shutdown role but that was with Zemgis Gergensens there and Gergensens is hurt himself so i doubt i i don't know if they go back to that line matching i think they might end up using Dylan Cousins and Casey Middlestad's lines up uh, for shutdowns not worried about that defensive matchup for the detroit side let's talk about that detroit side detroit won We don't know exactly what the lineup is going to look like for Detroit because they have been practicing with Patrick Kane on the second line, centered by Joe Valeno. Obviously, Joe Valeno in Detroit's last game was on the top line with Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond. My best guess right now is Larkin, Raymond, and Joe Valeno. They go back to that top line. And JT Comfort, Alistair Brinkett, Michael Rasmussen. Basically, just running back uh, what they had uh, against the Habs on Saturday. That's a little interesting for me because Larkin and Raymond they've struggled a little bit offensively this year uh, without Alex the uh, the second line uh, has also struggled a little bit um, when they broke you know when they moved you know the and Raymond when they broke all those guys out the second line has also been struggling a little bit offensively but there is a 3.4 total for Detroit here uh, it's tied for the second highest row total here on the slate I think it's um, tied for the uh, third highest total overall. Uh, so they are expecting goals. I think Lucas Raymond looks much better than he ever has in his NHL career. In his first two seasons, he he looked like a genuine passenger. He needed other players to make the plays for him. Now he's making the plays himself. Um, you know, playmaking numbers are looking really good. He's even shooting the puck a little bit, uh, you know, 12-shot attempts per 60 over the last three weeks that's you know it's not great but that's uh that's better than what what he's shown at times I don't mind Detroit one here tonight uh I'm not worried about the Detroit about the matchups from Buffalo whatsoever uh Detroit one coming in with absolutely no ownership 0.6 percent ownership here tonight on that top line that was with Robbie Fabry um you know with their um projected line that's with Robbie Fabry there I don't imagine it'll change much with Joe Valano there anyway uh, I like Detroit 1 here. Uh, I'm not worried about Eric Comrie. I'm not worried about the Buffalo penalty kill. Detroit does draw three, four uh, 4.3 power plays per game, as I was mentioning earlier. Um, it's second in the league behind Ottawa. I think it's a good matchup for Detroit. I don't see any reason to be afraid of them here tonight. You know I would like Alex to bring cat on the top line and top power play unit, but we always don't we don't always get what we want. The Rolling Stones told us that years ago. So Larkin, Raymond, and Delano is what I like from the Detroit side. I also like uh, the Buffalo top line. I just think they're coming in with a little bit too much ownership here tonight. All right. We are presented by Better, and on Better, you can get Double your first deposit for up to $500. What Better does is it takes traditional fantasy pick'em concepts and it amplifies them with the ability to win 100x your entry if you correctly select up to eight picks. You can you choose wisely and you can watch your winnings soar. Forget about frustrating ties and pushes. Better Picks keeps the excitement flowing with no pushes allowed. Every pick counts and every decision matters better covers a wide range of sports including nfl nba nhl mlb when it comes back and a whole bunch more whether you're a seasoned sports fan or a casual enthusiast we offer an extensive selection of player projections to choose from over at better dive into the action analyze the stats trust your instincts to make the winning picks go and check out better uh the legal age for gambling in most states is 21 plus and if someone you know has a gambling problem please call or text 1-800-GAMBLE. All right, let's move this along to our next batch of games. San Jose, uh, 2.1 implied goal total. They're going into New York. The New York Rangers have a, or New York Rangers, New York Islanders have a three and a half goal total. There's not a whole lot to say here, except both sides are going to be widely owned. Um, the Islanders have certainly been allowing goals at times. Ilya Sorokin has been a lot better. Um, he, it looks like he's going to be starting tonight against Kapokakinen. Sorokin has been better over the last few weeks, so maybe he's just kind of finding his groove. The Islanders do allow a lot of shots against. Penalty kill has been better lately, but it has struggled this year. The thing is, is like San Jose just draws a lot of ownership uh, because of their pricing. Um, We're looking at um, over-leveraged San Jose 2. We're looking at over-leveraged San Jose 1. Alexander Barabanov, though, is interesting for me uh, with him coming back and skating with Thomas Hurdle and William Eklund. The reason why that's interesting is because Barabanov and Hurdle actually have decent numbers this season together. Like... Not even just San Jose adjusted decent, like decent overall. 2.5 expected goals for, 2.1 expected goals against. Obviously, Barrett Banoff uh, was hurt for a while, but um, not bad numbers together. And, you know, they're obviously going to come in Um, over-owned. By the same token, um, they're going to get somewhat easy matchups. Like, you know, they'll see a lot of the Islanders' second and third lines. The Islanders' second and third lines... Third line, especially, is getting run over with regularity. The second line is really trading chances back and forth. If anything, it'd be Hurdle, Eklund, and Barabanov. I would go to here tonight just because Hurdle and Barabanov um, have looked good together so far this season in a pretty small sample. They're cheap. They're one of those filler stacks you can put in. I don't think you have to put on Eklund. I think, or sorry, Barabanov. Um, I think you can leave Eklund. Just go with a two man of Hurdle and Eklund. Go up against that Islanders penalty kill. No issues there. Um, I'm just waiting for Michael Granlin to burn me again. That guy's been on just an unreal heater. You know, the thing with San Jose, I mentioned it on the last show, you know, even that terrible Sabres team of, I think it was a 2014, 2015 season. Like they had a stretch where they won nine out of 15 games or something like that, you know, looked like a capable NHL team and they finished the year with like 22 wins. Like they're, you know, awful teams are awful teams. San Jose will go back into a funk in not too long. The question is what to do with the Islanders. One thing Josh and I had talked about with the Islanders top line was their problems creating any sort of offense down around the net. And more particularly, the fact that their defensemen were just bombing shots from the point. I'm going to bring up a visual from a website called HockeyViz. Uh, not affiliated with us at, here at Stochastic in any way, but I just want to show kind of the visual, visualization of what it looks like when uh, your defensemen are bombing shots from the point. Here is uh, Matt Barzal and Bo Horvat without Anders Lee at 5-on-5 this season. Look, that red, that is all the shots coming from the blue line. Now, with Anders Lee, look at the front of the net. It is a big, big difference having him on the top line. It's why I wrote uh, Matt Barzal up uh, in the picks article uh, here today. He's made a big difference in how they approach their offense at 5-on-5, five five, and that is a big change for this team because they've actually had a really good power play. They don't draw a lot of power plays. Um, you know, They only draw 2.8 uh, per game, which is you know amongst the lowest in the league. In fact, I think them in San Jose are lowest and second lowest for power play opportunities per game, so there may not be a lot of that here tonight, which only puts the 5-on-5 five five focus um, or more... Uh, pressure on five on five and brings uh, the focus to how they're creating their offense. Um, I do like that, that top line for the Islanders here. The problem is they're coming in with 20% expected ownership. You know, if you want to leave Lee off and put somebody like Nelson, like Palmieri up there uh, for a power play stack, I think that's fine. Um, But Lee is the guy that has helped them change the way that they approach the offensive zone. So I'd be kind of inclined to leave him there. I just worry that, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of like, you know, Buffalo one plus the Islanders top line or, uh, you know, know, Rangers one plus the Buffalo top line, Minnesota one plus the Buffalo top line, Nashville one or Nashville one, sorry, um, plus the Islanders top line. I keep saying Buffalo. I don't know why. Hopefully it doesn't mean I'm going to play them here tonight. Um, So I do like the Islanders top line uh, a little bit better here tonight. If you want to go to Islanders too, I think that's perfectly fine. But they're running into the problem that the Islanders' top line had is they're still generating about the same number of shots over the last few weeks that they did over the first five weeks of the season. It's just that more shots are coming from the defensemen. It's it's almost like like 45% of the shots for the Islanders' second line over the last three weeks are coming from the defensemen. 45%. From the two guys on the blue line for the Islanders second line, it's almost like the defensemen are getting mad that Andrew Lee is taking shots away from them. So they're like, "Screw it, we're going to screw over you know Palmieri and and Brock Nelson instead." Uh, so it is Islanders one I like here. It's just a lot of ownership. You guys have to decide whether you want to play a twenty percent owned line um, here tonight. It's a great matchup for it. There's nothing else. Not a whole lot else uh, that we can say about it. Uh, Next one looks like to be another lopsided matchup. You have Nashville with a 3.4 implied goal total. They're going into Chicago. The Blackhawks have a 2.6. Probably UC Saros uh, for Nashville. Arvid Soderblom uh, in net for Chicago. Soderblom is another one of the goalies that has not been as good as the backup as the starter has. Uh, I wrote up Philip Forsberg in the picks article today. He's just had... Uh, an unreal season thus far, pacing for 46 goals and 96 points, well over 300 shots. Like that's just, uh, just superb season. Um, he's hit the DraftKings shot bonus in nearly half his games, 11 out of 24. Uh, it's a great matchup for them. You know, since Halloween, the Blackhawks are 30th by expected goals against at five on five, and they've given up 15 power play goals in their last 14 games. Um, these two teams played each other a few weeks ago. Forsberg had an assist with five shots in what is kind of like a town game for him. He's the highest projected winger on both uh, DraftKings and FanDuel here tonight uh, outside of Colorado. Like, obviously, Colorado, we'll get to them in a second, why they're so high. But Colorado has a lot of high projections for the top guys. Forsberg is the top uh, winger outside of that. So I like Nashville 1 here tonight. Perfectly correlated, not worried about any matchups from the Chicago side. Chicago going with their backup goalie to boot. Problem is, is like Nashville is another one of those lines that's coming in with a fair bit of ownership here tonight. Not as bad uh, as the Islanders, certainly, but still coming in with double-digit ownership. They're kind of like Buffalo where they're coming in, you know, low teens, top two stack percentage, but double-digit ownership. So not a lot of leverage. They do have less ownership over on FanDuel. Uh, So if you want to try them on FanDuel, I think you're going to get a lot more positive leverage over there. One thing that worries me about the Nashville top line is that their offense has started to slow down a little bit. 2.8 expected goals, three actual goals per 60 minutes over their last 100 minutes. It's a pretty big slowdown from like their first, you know, five, six games together. That's a little bit of a concern, but the matchup does a lot to alleviate those concerns, and it's still a 3.4 total, and there's not a lot else. It's like, where else are are the goals going to come from, right? Like, the Sissons training Smith line has actually been fine for Nashville, actually, and Colton Sissons is, you know, Colton Barber Sissons. Um, He's uh, on the top power play unit. So they could get some goals from down there, but you got to figure, you know, Nashville gets four or five goals here tonight that the top perfectly correlated top power play unit is going to figure in. So I do like Nashville one. But again, they're just one of those lines in that 17 to 19 K range that's coming in with double digit ownership where I still look at that King's top line coming in with almost none. And it's it's just tough for me, uh, you know, to. Forgo that extremely low ownership from Los Angeles one. But I, I really do like the spot here from Nashville. There are no matchup concerns. The Chicago penalty kill has taken a dive over the last, you know, five weeks. Like I mentioned, they're starting to the work the, their worst goalie in net or the goalie that's played worse so far this season. Anyway, I think it's a pretty good matchup for Nashville. One A question I think in this game is what to do with Chicago because Anthony Beauvillier back, he's going to be on the top line. Uh, For Chicago, top power play unit. Gives them a perfectly correlated top power play unit as well. Which is kind of interesting because Nashville has typically not had a good penalty kill this season. It has gotten a little bit better over the last couple weeks. But in general, it's not been very good. It has been one of the weaknesses of this team. Chicago power plays definitely suck this year. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Uh, Hopefully, Anthony Beauvillier can help. You know, Beauvillier is a shooter. He's kind of like Bedard. Um, I think, you know, I don't think he'll open any space for Bedard in that sense, but I think Bedard can open space for Beauvillier and it could help him out offensively. So I don't mind Chicago one here tonight, but I still say by far my favorite line uh, in this game is the Nashville top line. I don't know if there's anything in the Chicago depth uh, that I really want to get to. Um, Johnson and Radish haven't really been shooting a lot lately. They're going to be playing with Cole Gutman uh, on the second line. There's just not a lot that I like from the Chicago side outside the top line. Where they're perfectly correlated, I think it's Chicago one or bust. But yeah, um, give me Nashville uh, in this game over everyone else. Uh, If you want to uh, give us a shot here at Stochastic, maybe check out uh, the projections uh, that we talk about. Uh, Here are some of the uh, top projections here tonight. Here's uh, some of the top ownership. Obviously, we've been talking about our top stacks. If you want access to all these tools, uh, just head on over to stochastic.com um, and head on over to our packages section or just click through uh, in the links below. The, if you click through the links below, it helps. Uh, this show out, uh, you get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. Um, we try to show winners as often as we can. You know, We talked about Elway's Army uh, yesterday on the show. He's been on a real heater up late uh you know we do uh practice what we preach as well what we talk about on the show is what we play but you get ownership to all the projections so you never really have to listen to us if you want so you get player and ownership you get top stacks you get uh the line uh line combinations um you get uh data central which is very helpful helpful there's even a section uh for uh nhl shot um shooting props uh if you want to try that out so um, you know, for people that might be more inclined for betting, you can, um, you can get, uh, expected ROIs for uh, player shot prop total or anytime goal scorer total. So, uh, that on top of the discord, which is very helpful if you're not always at your computer, uh, to get late breaking information, uh, for games, uh, later in the slate, uh, the discord is very, very helpful for that. So if you want to try this out, just click through, uh, the link below stochastic.com, come on over and uh, see what we're all about. All right, uh, let's get to these last two games here. First one, Anaheim, two and a half total. They're going to Colorado. Colorado has a 4.0 total. Obviously, this is where um, all that ownership that we were talking about is going. On the, uh, the show on Monday, we were talking about how absurd uh, Colorado's our, or the show on Saturday, sorry, we were talking about how absurd Colorado's top two percentage was. It's, things have gotten even crazier. 58% top two percentage for that Colorado top line coming in at 24,800 on DraftKings tonight. Uh, there are a number of reasons for that. One, with that perfectly correlated top top line and all the guys playing like at least 20 minutes a night, often getting up to like 23, 24. Natushkin's been at 27 at some times. They're playing a ton of minutes um, so all those minutes perfectly correlated top line against Anaheim they're easily the best uh, line on in the best spot on the slate there's also the fact that Mason McTavish is going to be out for Anaheim here tonight he didn't he's injured he did not travel with the team uh, Anaheims lineup is obviously takes a big hit uh, with him out he is um he's a big part of their uh of their offensive attack um silverberg is going to be moving to the anaheim second line instead so mason mctavish is out obviously they're still without trevor zegris they're going to be starting john gibson in net anaheim is the most penalized team in the league 4.5 times shorthanded per game no other team is above four it's just a great spot for colorado here's the thing (laughs) Colorado's top line numbers, I think anybody that's been playing them over the last week or so uh, can tell you, have been taking a dive. 2.3 expected goals, 2.7 actual goals over the last two weeks. You got to wonder if these guys just aren't getting a little bit tired. Like, they've had to play a ton of minutes um, since uh, since Arturi Lekinen's injury. And tonight makes four games in six days. For this line three those three other games uh being on the road and they had it back to back on the weekend it is a tremendous matchup for Colorado I think there are reasons to not want to play them one being their price two being they're going to be extremely owned uh, extreme highly owned no matter the site uh, three they haven't been playing exceptionally well lately four Kale McCarr looks like he's going to be out tonight they said doubtful doubtful to me means he's probably going to be out I wrote about it in the picks article without Kale McCarr scoring on the power play for uh, Colorado's top unit goes down over 20%. That's a lot. Now they might get four or five or six opportunities against Anaheim here tonight. Cause Anaheim takes so many penalties and, and Colorado draws so many power plays, but there are reasons to uh, not play Colorado here tonight, but yeah, they are the best line in the best slot on the slate with a four total. Like that four total tells you everything you need to know, uh, about this matchup with McKinnon, Ranton, and Natushkin eating all the minutes they are and skating on the top power play. And so Colorado won perfectly in play. It's a matter um, if you can find other stuff you want to play with them. Speaking of cheap fillers, Ross Colton, Miles Wood, Logan O'Connor. This line this this line is kind of the team's second line, but the team doesn't really have a second line. Like Thomas DeTire looks like he's going to be a healthy scratch. Um you know, Colton Wood and O'Connor is basically the team's second line, but they don't get second-line minutes. They basically basically play 12 to 14 minutes a game. But they're generating a ton over the last three weeks. 3.9 expected goals per 60 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Anaheim without Mason McTavish, there's nothing to be worried about in that depth. Like, we saw how bad Ryan Strom and Frank Petrano were defensively last year. I think Mason McTavish is a big reason for that turnaround this year, along with getting rid of Klingberg and Simon Benoit. But... I imagine those defensive numbers are going to fall off for Anaheim, you know, in a small sample without McTavish, 71 shot attempts against per 60 minutes this year. Like if you want a Josh stack and, you know, for anybody not familiar, that's just stacking uh, six players from the same team on DraftKings. I think Colorado top line plus like Colton, uh, Ross Colton, Logan O'Connor, and then one of the defensemen. I think that makes a lot of sense here. I think he can do that. Um, I don't know if I'd outright three-man stack them, but I don't mind Colorado three. On the Anaheim side, like, for me, it's Anaheim one or bust. Like, with with McTavish gone, I don't have any interest in that second line anymore. Uh, The Anaheim top line, perfectly correlated on the power play. Whether you want to call it the top or the second unit now, they've basically been splitting units, but they're still with Pebble and on the power play. Colorado does take a lot of penalties, 3.8 times shorthanded per game. Obviously nowhere near Anaheim, but still a lot. Um they've been playing well. 59 shot attempts for 40 against per 60 minutes at five on five. With McTavish out, they might have to play some more minutes here tonight. Not a lot of ownership on Anaheim either. Uh top stacks tools showing 2.6% on DraftKings here tonight. So I don't mind Anaheim one, but obviously the Colorado top line is the feature of that game. All right, let's get to Minnesota and Calgary. Minnesota 3.2 total. Calgary, three point two total. Also, some important news in this game. Jacob Markstrom uh, still getting uh, some uh, some treatment done on his right hand. Still getting evaluation done. Took a hand off, a shot off his bare hand in practice. Not good for a goalie. That means Dan Vladar's in that tonight. Our old friend uh, Dan. Um, he's not had a very good season. He had one good uh, start real recently. Real. Recently, sorry. Um, that was basically it for the season. His save percentage has been absolutely brutal this year at 883. Minnesota has looked better under John Hines. The thing about the new coach is it's it's tough because John Hines is a guy that does love to like to spread the ice time around. And it's something that we mentioned uh, on the last show with Minnesota. Now they've had a couple of blowouts. So it's tough to say exactly where the ice time is going to fall, But, you know, Matt Boldy has been kind of getting treated like a third liner. That's a little bit worrisome. Like, And Boldy's shot rate, uh, shots per minute, or shot attempts per minute, has not increased that much under Heinz. So, I think I'm out on Minnesota 2 in this matchup. I would just go to Minnesota 1. Minnesota's top line, pretty good in a small sample. 35 minutes under Heinz. 68 shot attempts for 37 against uh, per 60 minutes. You get Zuccarello and Kaprazov on the top power play unit. Calgary's uh, power play numbers have not really been that good of late. The power play numbers for Minnesota have been a lot better under Heinz. They do draw a fair number of power plays. I think they're drawing the sixth most power plays per game uh, on the season. Fifth most, sorry, uh, power plays per game on the season. Power play has looked better with Heinz there. I like Minnesota 1 here. I'm not worried about... The Calgary matchup, whether they use the top line, whether you use the backland line, like neither has been very good defensively so far this season. You know, Martin Pospisil is out for Calgary. It looks like Walker Durr is going to be in. I suspect Dylan Dubay goes up to the line with uh, Zari and Kadri. It's a cheap line. I suppose you can use them, but it's Minnesota's top line that I like here by quite a bit. Uh, they're not coming in with a lot of ownership either. But, uh, per the top stacks to only four and a half percent on DraftKings here tonight, 7.3 top two percentage. They are one of those like 16 to 8 K 18 K lines that I do like here tonight's, you know, 17 and 19, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you want to avoid chalkier Buffalo or chalkier Nashville or something like that, I think this is the pivot, especially with Vladara net a big part of the Calgary turnaround of late had been Markstrom's improved play. So uh, yeah, Minnesota for one for me on that side on the Calgary side, I'm going to be honest, I don't have interest in stacking any of their lines. Uh, they're coming in all with negative leverage. Uh, Pospisil out here uh, on the second line. Dubay in. That might actually drive up ownership because Dubé is a mid priced player. I think you can stack that line. Uh, that line now is, off the top of my head, 11200 uh, 11, So it's now $1,000 cheaper uh, than even the Calgary top line. Andrew Majapani got benched in their last game. I still think they're trying to figure things out. Like, if you want a one-off uh, Nazem Kadri, one-off Jonathan Huberto, things like that, I think that's fine. But I just don't think there's anything I want a full stack. Minnesota's defense had been getting better uh, even before John Hines came in. And Minnesota, their problem had been the penalty kill, and Calgary's power plays, just to quote Josh, sucks. Uh, so I, I don't have any interest in the Calgary side here. Like it's kind of like Columbus to me. Maybe I'll one off somebody from the lineup, but as far as full stacking, I think, uh, this is a pass for me. All right, let's move along to our final game here. We have the New Jersey Devils, uh, going into Vancouver. The New Jersey Devils have a three and a half total. The Vancouver Canucks have a three point or 3.3 total. Sorry. The Vancouver Canucks have a 3.4 total. Uh, Eric Holla on the top line with Jack Hughes and Tyler Toffoli. Uh, second line of Andre Platt, Nico Hischer, Jesper Brad, Alex Holtz with uh, Timo Meyer uh, and Dawson Mercer on the third line for the Devils. The big news for Vancouver is that it looks like Ronick is off the top power play unit. And they're moving uh, Andre Kuzmenko back to the top power play unit. This is why this is interesting. Is because Vancouver was not coming in with any ownership. I mean, none. Uh, 2.2% for that line with Kuzmenko there on DraftKings. Maybe that comes up a little bit now that Kuzmenko's back on the top power play unit. But if they're 3 or 4%, I really don't care. This is a 34 total, and we know how bad New Jersey's uh, goaltending has been basically all season. Penalty kill has not been good. 5-on-5 five five, it's not been good. There's no real matchup concern. That, that worries me here. Obviously, you don't want them going into the Hischer line here tonight. Um, but I suspect they're actually going to go quite a bit against the Jack Hughes line. You know, the Hughes line fine defensively, uh, but they're allowing a lot of goals because of the goaltending. So uh, Miller, Besser, and Kuzmenko, you know, even if they come up to 3 or 4% because they're perfectly correlated on the power play, like that's just fine for me this is another one of those lines where if you want to get away from Chalky or Nashville or Chalky or Buffalo, that I think it makes a nice pivot. You know, they're at home in a 3.4 total. Uh, it's just one off. Um, it's just one off the what the or point one off what the Islanders have. And we saw uh, how much ownership was on the Islanders. Like, obviously, a lot of that is pricing, but it's not enough to make me want to just completely avoid Vancouver here. So I like Vancouver too in this matchup. Like Vancouver's Expected goals numbers, that line, really not great this year, but much, much better without Phil DiGiuseppe. Like, Phil DiGiuseppe is kind of just dragging down that line. And without him, 2.7 expected goals for 1.9 expected goals against, uh, generating over 60 shot attempts per 60 minutes. Brock Besser still around 15 shot attempts for 60 minutes just by himself. I like Vancouver too here. On the New Jersey side, I think I prefer... Uh, the Jack Hughes line, I did write up Jack Hughes um, in the picks article today, basically because he's the pivot away from a super chalky um, Nathan McKinnon here tonight, and there's no ownership coming on on the Jack Hughes line either, 4.1% ownership, they have pretty good offensive numbers without uh, Timo Meyer there, 3.3 expected goals, 3.6 actual goals per 60 minutes. Tyler Toffoli leading this team in scoring chance uh, contributions, which is just absolutely insane when you think about it, uh, especially with Jack Hughes there. But Tyler Toffoli is having a tremendous season. I think it's the Hughes line and the Miller line I like best. That they're matching up against each other kind of worries me a little bit. In a nutshell, I would lean to the home team and lean uh, to the JT Miller line, but it is Hughes and it is Miller I like best in this game. All right, we are going to wrap things up. Uh, before we do, uh, we have a couple more NBA shows coming up later today. 5.30 p.m. Eastern, you have the NBA Deeper Dive with Josh Engelman and Adam Schur. And at 6.30 p.m., you have the NBA Live Before Lock with Greg Ehrenberg and Eric Lindquist. Both both shows brought to you by Better. Better is the sponsor for our show as well. If you'd like to try out Better, you can get up to uh, $500. Double your, your, depo- your first deposit. Uh, click through uh, the link below Uh, let's get to some defensemen I wrote up um, the obvious defenseman in the pick article uh, picks article Devin Taves he's probably going to be running the Colorado top power play unit uh, now that uh, Kel McCarr is likely out also um, like Bowen Byram kind of for a different reason like um, Anaheim's just not a very good team and uh, Byram's probably going to play 21 22 maybe even more uh, minutes here tonight uh, with McCarr and obviously Sam Girard is still out. For the expensive defenseman, uh, you know, Roman Yossi, I think, makes a lot of sense in the matchup. Uh, there are two guys that kind of separate themselves from everybody else it is Roman Yossi and Noah Dobson at home to San Jose. I think Rasmus Dahlin makes a nice pivot if you want to get away from uh, a little bit of chalk, though. Dahlin might still flirt around 10% here tonight. In the mid price range, like I said, Taves, I like him. Noah Hannafin, Calgary at home, uh, 4,500, still running the power play for what it's worth. He's just a pretty good puck mover, and he'll play a fair amount of minutes. With Thomas Shabbat out, I like Jake Sanderson a lot here tonight. He's probably going to get back to the top power play. He's a guy that uh, can uh, create offense. Uh, He's fairly cheap on DraftKings as well for his price. I think he's at 5K even uh, here tonight. Forty nine hundred, sorry. So I don't mind Jake Sanderson. Uh in the Detroit game. Going if you don't want to use uh Shane Goss bear running the top power play, I don't mind more at Cedar. His shot rate has really come up over the last few weeks to where you'd want to see it. He's kind of the shot and shot block threat uh, from that team. I maybe Pete Pill are gonna chase Jake Wallman if you want to go right ahead. We love Jake Wallman here at Stochastic, but I I do like more at Cedar. Uh for cheaper guys, Andrew Peak might play tonight uh for Columbus. Because Eric Branson uh, may miss the game, so Peak is twenty-seven hundred. He might have to block some shots against a high-shooting Los Angeles team. So if you need some cheap, a cheap source of blocks, just check to see if, if Branson is out. If he is, Andrew Peak might be the guy for you. Uh, Nikita Zadorov twenty-six hundred for Vancouver. Don't mind him uh, with McCarr out. Josh Manson thirty-two hundred. Don't mind him from Colorado either. Tyler Myers, I wrote up in the picks article. Even with Zdor up there, he still played 22 minutes in their game the other night. Don't mind Tyler Myers for uh, 3,500 on DraftKings. Uh, Alex Romanoff is kind of like a shooter, I guess, more than Ryan Pollock these days, which is weird to think about uh, in a pretty good matchup at home to San Jose. Don't mind Romanoff. Uh, I'll mention Brock Faber uh, and Cam Fowler as well. In net, I think this is a good night for cheap goalies. I uh, wrote up Elvis Merzlikins in the Picks article uh, against that Los Angeles team. Merzlikins has really... Uh, turned his game around over the last month or so. Uh, don't mind Elvis Merzlikens here tonight. Also have Capo Kakinen on my list. At home to the Islanders. We've seen the Islanders struggle to score before. We've seen Kakinen have great games. I think those are two goalies you can use here tonight if you want to save. If you want to spend up, I do like Thatcher. De- I feel like a, a Thatcher Demko slappy at this point. But I do like Thatcher Demko uh, at 8K. At home to New Jersey. If New Jersey can't fill the net, they can uh, get a lot of shots. And that is exactly what you want from Demko on DraftKings here tonight. I'll mention uh, Philip Gustafson from Minnesota. I think he's 6,700 on FanDuel tonight. Uh, he's probably going to carry a lot of ownership on FanDuel, but 6,700, that's really tough to pass up. Elias Sorokin leads our projections. Uh, definitely, Definitely has shutout potential at home against San Jose here tonight. It's just whether you want to pay up. Uh, for that uh, shutout potential here. The guy I'm going with uh, for my hat-trick pick, fairly chalky, but I wrote about him in the Picks article. He's always been one of my favorite players to watch. Let's see what he can do against Chicago. I'm going to Philip Forsberg. All right. Uh, A good value stack for FanDuel. Uh, Let's see what we can kind of figure out here. I'm looking through some of their cheaper stacks you know, if nobody's going to play San Jose, like, I think, again, that Hurdle-Eklund-Berabanov line uh, from San Jose makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, Calgary's still cheap, but, uh you know, I'll, what I'll throw out for uh, a line that I think is kind of going under the radar a little bit is the Kings third line, Dubois, Grunstrom, Laferriere. Like I mentioned, Dubois and Grunstrom, pretty good numbers in a small sample together. If you just want a two-man out of that, I think just fine. So, San Jose two, Los Angeles three for some cheap stacks on FanDuel. All right, that's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you everybody uh, for putting up with me uh, for the last hour. Josh will be back. We'll both be back on Thursday for our next show. Uh, Again, please like and subscribe really helps us out. Um, Give us the five star rating uh, for our podcast. If you could be so kind, if you wanna join better, you can get up to $500 to double your very first deposit. Just click through the link below Do all that or don't. It's up to you. It would help us out. Uh, Either way, we'll see you guys on Thursday.